الجزيرة بودكاست Lift off from a tropical rainforest to the edge of time itself, James Webb begins a voyage back to the birth of the universe. NASA launched the James Webb Space Telescope on December 25th, 2021. Since then, we've been given dozens of images of galaxies, stars, and planets. NASA's Webb Telescope releasing images from the deep universe. Five enormous galaxies locked in a cosmic dance. Billions of stars and planets, 300 million light years from Earth. But one finding shows exactly what the telescope is capable of and suggests we might be closer than ever to finding life on another planet. I'm Hala Mahiuddin, and this is The Take. Humans have always been fascinated by what's beyond our blue planet. We have movies and TV shows dedicated to space exploration. He's a man from outer space, and we're taking him to a spaceship. We used to look up in the sky and wonder at our place in the stars. But what have we learned in real life about the universe? In 2022, humanity reached one of its most significant space accomplishments, the James Webb Space Telescope Discoveries. My name is Stuart Clark. I'm an astronomer and I am a consultant for New Scientist. Stuart, it's great to have you with us. Can you tell us what is the James Webb Space Telescope and what has it discovered? The James Webb Space Telescope is the largest telescope that we've ever put into space. It is designed to look at a part of the spectrum that we can't see with our eyes, the infrared. And this allows it to look much more deeply into the distant universe and much more deeply into nearby gas and dust clouds where stars and planets are forming. And so it's opening up all these hidden realms of the universe that we've had lots of ideas about but we've never been able to see before. Stuart says one of the key advantages of the telescope is that it can deeply observe the atmospheres of planets outside of our solar system. And so it's starting to give us our first real look at these alien worlds and what their chemical composition is and what they might be like. It sounds absolutely fascinating. The more I hear about it, the more my mind starts to bend. It is mind-blowing, absolutely. What's your favourite discovery so far from the telescope? Oh, gosh, yeah. I'm an absolute sucker for these really distant views of the universe. And these started in the mid-1990s with the Hubble Space Telescope. The James Webb takes this to another level, looking even further at these very first galaxies. You see these objects as they existed more than 10 billion years ago. It's taken that time for the light to travel across the vast swathe of space to get to us. 
So we can do this kind of galactic archaeology in a way, you know, we can look at how the universe has evolved into what we see around us today. With just how amazing Webb's discoveries have been, we wanted to get to the nitty-gritty and talk to some of the people who work to make it happen. My name is Nicole Cologne, and I am an astrophysicist at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center, which is in Maryland. Nicole was part of the team at NASA that worked on the telescope. She describes just how large Webb was as a project. It actually was so large that it had to launch folded up inside of its rocket. Wow. And then once it got to space, it deployed and it got all positioned with mirrors in place, you know, everything unfolded. There's this giant sun shield to protect it and keep the telescope cool. Because what we want to do is take this giant telescope that's about six and a half meters in diameter. We want to take this and study the infrared universe. The infrared is something Hubble, Webb's predecessor telescope was unable to see. Nicole says Webb's ability to capture the infrared gives us much clearer images of space. So we're looking at light that we cannot see with our own eyes, essentially. Think of it like um, heat emission, that type of light that we can use this telescope to detect. And it's collecting many types of pictures where you basically break down the elements of what some object is made of. Like the telescope can look at a star and take a spectrum of it. And that breaks down the light essentially from that star into a chemical fingerprint for us to say, okay, that star has hydrogen, oxygen, iron, things like that. But it is absolutely providing a bunch of beautiful images as well. That gives us a whole new view of the universe, literally. The images taken by the Webb telescope are only possible after 30 years of work to think up and put together this piece of technology. That process was also captured in images by Chris Gunn. He's the lead photographer for the Webb project and started documenting five years into its construction. That was in 2009. I've likened it to seeing the Starship Enterprise being built. This is a starship that was uh, built by humans to go out and explore the universe, right? And it's the stuff of dreams. Now, how does a dream become reality? It takes 30 years of planning and then building and testing and integration. It does take time and organization and a ton of people. Chris says that this was especially the case when it came to the mirrors, the parts of the telescope that helped create the images that you and I saw over the past year. So in particular, the first mirrors to arrive was just an amazing experience to be in the presence of these really beautiful objects that were really valuable monetarily, but they play such a part in the final construction of the telescope. Chris is now working on documenting another telescope build, the Roman Telescope. Its launch date is set to be 2026, and it will build upon the discoveries of Hubble and the Webb telescopes. So I, I want Webb to continue working once Roman's launch, and hopefully Hubble's still working. So there'll be a trio of telescopes up there continuing to explore the universe. 
With these improvements in technology come staggering new discoveries, including something really amazing, WASP-96b. Astronomers are just terrible at naming things. That's astronomer and space journalist Stuart again. He breaks down exactly what's so special about this oddly named planet far, far away. WASP-96b is a planet in very close orbit around its parent star. And what's so interesting about the discovery that was announced this year from James Webb is that it's seen clear evidence of water vapour in the atmosphere of this exoplanet. An exoplanet is a planet outside our solar system. This is not the first time we've seen water vapour in one of them, but what was special about Webb's discovery is that we could see it clearly in WASP-96b. What has taken everybody by surprise about this is the quality of the detection and the data. The James Webb with its 6.5 metre mirror has just given us such a clear signal and reading of all of this that it means that with further analysis and choosing our targets carefully, doing the observations obviously in the best way that we can, much fainter gases and much less sort of populous gases in the atmosphere, we should be able to tease those out of the data as well. And it's possible that in looking for these gases, we might even be able to see evidence of life on these other worlds as well. First time we've ever been able to do that. We'll hear more about the search for life on another planet after the break. Hey guys, Sami Zaydan here from Essential Middle East Podcast. In this week's episode, we'll be talking about the profiling of Arab and Muslim Americans amongst other minorities in the US. So check it out. We're talking to astronomer Stuart Clark about the search for life on another planet and the discovery of water vapour in one exoplanet's atmosphere. Talk to me more about exoplanets and searching for life. What are we looking for? We've always thought that there must be planets around other stars. We've always thought that our own solar system shouldn't be special in any way. We're not the centre of everything. We go around the sun. The sun is not the centre of everything. It goes around the centre of the galaxy. Our galaxy is not at the centre of the universe. There's nothing very special about the Earth. And the question that we're looking at now is, does that extend to life as well? Gradually, we've been developing the technology to go and look for it. And so we're starting to take the next step of trying to isolate their light with big telescopes like Webb and try to analyse their, their atmospheres to see exactly what they're like. And what other sort of markers are you looking for? Because you hear that the signs of life are water. Yes, indeed. So water, water would, would definitely be a big one. So we have to preface our search for life by saying that we can only really look for life as we know it, as Mr. Spock would say. It is not life as we know or understand it. He was onto something. 
So if we were to ever find the evidence for life elsewhere, whatever that be, say atmospheres out of chemical equilibrium as it's called. Stuart says that an example of this on Earth is oxygen and methane. In our atmosphere, methane would not exist without living beings like humans and animals producing it. Similarly, oxygen exists only because plants produce it. We'll detect the kinds of gases that are in that atmosphere. And then the next step is that you go to computer models. Then we use the models to see what the possibility is that those gases would exist together. And this will tell you, hopefully, what's happening there. But with what little we know about space, this can become challenging. On another planet with alien life, we might not have a combination of gases we're familiar with. Perhaps there are others. So it's, it's one of those situations in science where we don't have clear predictions for what we are looking for. And Stuart says we can't even fully define life. We recognise life, but trying to break it down into a, a set of rules that is absolutely definitive is extremely difficult. Mm. We're just keeping an eye open for anything that doesn't quite make sense and using that as the sort of the keyhole in which to turn the key and open the door onto a whole new understanding and investigation of nature. In this case, hopefully life in the universe. Let's get back to telescopes then. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get back like some good old-fashioned hardware. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in your uh, article, you said that you believe that with the James Webb Space Telescope, we'll be able to find more information about exoplanet atmosphere. Are you hopeful that with this new technology, we will be able to find life soon? Well, I would love us to find life very soon. I would love James Webb to see a signature of life. That would be, that would be the jackpot. That really, really would. I think it's a long shot, simply because even though one of the greatest pieces of telescopic hardware ever, ever, ever built, it's still a really hard problem for it mm. in terms of the kind of Earth-sized planets where we might expect to find life or there to be a higher chance of finding life, there's only a small handful that it can actually do this analysis for. But it's not all bad news. The crucial thing about Webb is that we can test all the techniques to do this on these planets and then the next iteration of space telescopes, the thing that comes after Webb, can do this for a much larger sample of planets. So yes, within our lifetimes, we will be actively searching the galaxy for life in this way. Nicole, the NASA astrophysicist, says that the plans for Webb are not even solely focused on exoplanet research. I think it's fair to say that about a quarter of the James Webb Space Telescope's time is to, in general, look at exoplanets and see what we can learn about their composition and hopefully along the way provide us more evidence that the few Earth-sized planets we know of that Webb can study 
could potentially support these habitable conditions. But really, there's 75% of its time that is focused on studying the pillars of creation, you know, where stars are forming, studying the most distant galaxies to see how they're forming, because it's really about using this telescope to see the most distant universe and better understand everything from the beginning of the universe, how the first galaxies and even stars formed, down to how the closest planets formed. So it's doing the whole range of the universe. With so much to explore with space, and so many of our own problems down here on Earth, I asked Stuart why we're even looking for life on another planet to begin with, when the chances seem so slim. These kinds of space missions, these extraordinarily ambitious space missions, they're so important for us to do for many reasons. Some of them are practical reasons. The advancement of technology is one. Scientists develop new ways to sync up the many mirrors in a telescope to take the images we get to enjoy. And this technology has now expanded beyond space exploration. Which has now found its way already into hospitals and medical devices in order to help us uh, look inside human bodies. So there's a wholly practical side to things. But there's also philosophical reasons. To know more about ourselves. There's just so many unknowns about how life started on the Earth, how it's come to evolve in the way that it has and ended up in us. You know, it's the search, really, by looking at all these distant worlds and hoping to find alien life in some form or another. We're actually trying to understand ourselves better. For Stuart, it's also a question about our role in life in the universe. What does it mean if we on Earth are special? Then what is our role in the universe as conscious beings and extremely rare conscious beings? Nothing else you know, is conscious in the universe. So how do we use that consciousness? How do we use our intellect? What do we do with that knowledge? How do we conserve life in the universe, which is our own? All those questions open up for us. And if we're not special... Then we can start answering these other questions about is life always based on carbon and water? If it is, is it always DNA? Or are there other routes to life, other molecules, other chemical pathways? And that gets us more into this definition of what is life in a more general sense. So I think either way, whatever we discover, it opens up almost a whole new branch of science. Yeah, so the work's not over then, is it? (laughs) As with science, it's only ever just beginning. And as soon as you think you've slam dunked it and you've got the answers, you suddenly realise that there are all these other questions now to investigate and answer. So human curiosity knows no bounds. That's one small step for man, one Lift off of Artemis 1. We rise together back to the moon and beyond. It's in us to look out into the universe. And that's what we continue to do with these 
incredibly ambitious missions and the best is yet to come because all the analysis from Webb is still ongoing. We've just seen the first images and the first data, but the actual breakthroughs and the scientific discoveries, they're going to start flowing in in 2023. And my prediction is it's going to be mind blowing. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Chloe K. Lee with Nagin Oliai, Alexandra Locke, Ashish Malhotra, Amy Walters, Ruby Zaman and me, Hala Mahiyadeen. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Aya Elmalek and Adam Abugad are The Take's engagement producers and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back 